Welcome to Wanderings and Wool Gathering, episode 103. On whatever platform you're watching or listening, if you like what you hear, give us a review or comment. We'd love it if you would subscribe and feel free to share with your friends. Tonight's episode is brought to you by 4411 Creative Agency. The good folks at 4411 provide custom marketing and flawless execution. Creative is their middle name. Head over to 4411creative.com to find out more. And tonight, we would also like to announce our partnership with the Kokomo Lantern, a journalistic endeavor focused upon the simple principles of illuminating the good and eliminating the shadows in our local community. Join the Lantern Substack to get all Lantern material. Tonight on the show, we're reviewing Tipping Point by Tears for Fears, B-Sides by Corey Taylor, talking briefly about the new single from Whitney Ty. And joining me to break it all down is none other than Metalhead Monday. Step inside into his mind. It's boy band time. It's Metalhead Monday. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Yes. Isn't that a great intro? It is. I feel like it's a little dated, but I, I love <laughs> I mean, with the picture, it kind of makes sense. So You're- you're kind of dated too. So <laughs> this this is true. This is this is true. Hey, with our new partnership that I just mentioned, I'm going to put the scroll at the bottom. If anybody is interested in getting that exclusive content from Kokomo Lantern, the website is down at the bottom of the screen, so you can check that out and sign up at any time. I'm sure they would appreciate that. All right, Monday. We got a lot of work tonight. Are you ready? Yes, sir. All right. So, for those of you who are new to the show, we have played a challenge since the beginning, and we named it after the great music review man from Rolling Stone, Mr. Lester Bang. So, it's our challenge inspired by Lester Bang. So, what we do is, one of us will read a review about a record, but we will leave out the pertinent points, and then the other people have to figure out who in the heck we're talking about. So, tonight, mm-hmm. Mundy is on his own. He has no help. Are you ready? Feeling the pressure. I, I, I tend to get these, but I don't always. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Um, for the record, Monday kicks all of our butts on these. So here we go. <laughs> this band's first full-length record is a decent, but not great album. Nowhere near the quality of other debut gems like Show No Mercy or War and Pain. Come on. Stop your whining and admit it. Not just was the band's lineup in flux, but the production was pretty awful. The songs are generic, and the lead singer is a deranged, shrieking harridan who would have done better for himself, reducing the screams of horror movie potty than his singing here. That's your first clue. If you need help, I've got a couple more little lines for you. Do you have any idea? I have a guess. <laughs> who who might you want guess me to be? guess now? Do you want me to guess now, or you want me to get the other clues? <laughs> Okay, these are real short. Are you ready? This guy yeah. goes on in this article. It's it's pretty rude, but he goes on to say it's uh, a Judas Priest worshiping mess that walks on unsteady <laughs> speed metal path with more enthusiasm than skill. And then the last comment was, he says it has aged dreadfully. But you can hear the roots of their later sound. Okay, who are we talking well, about? I that has to be Kill 'em All from Metallica. No, 
but you're close. Okay. Uh, my next guess would be um, Fistful of Metal from Anthrax. You are correct. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was. That makes sense with the Judas Priest thing and all that because the their first singer Neil Turbin was. Oh yeah, that's that's dead on right there. <laughs> it was. <laughs> this guy not was not great. a fan. <clears throat> yeah. That was, yeah. I, I read a couple that, of and different you can ones. Definitely the, the hearing, hearing their roots and all like the, yeah, the, the speed and the, you know, the rhythm guitar and all that's all there. And, but yeah, that's, it's the vocals are a little rough. <laughs> yeah. It, there were multiple. I almost thought about just pulling little bits from all over the place because uh, nobody was too kind to this. Oh, we have a Facebook mm -hmm. user who says that Fistful was their first choice. Yeah. I'm going to. I, I don't know. I felt like you were going bigger. So I felt like, and most of that applies to Kill Em All too. But Anthrax is my band. So I should have guessed you were doing that. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely in your <laughs> wheelhouse. But anyway, <laughs> those are, those are super fun. So, um, you're issuing the challenge next week, but I'm going to issue a challenge to you to come up with a Lester Banks for next week. Oh, okay. Challenge. I can do that. It's been a minute. Awesome. All right. Before we get into the real reviews, we, um, we have this to announce. Friend of the show, Whitney Ty, who works with Michael Cervolo on um, Beauty and Chaos, has a new single coming out with Harry Vato called Free Time. Mm -hmm. It actually debuts on March 11th, but we got a sneak peek. So, Monday, what'd you think? Uh, it was great. Um, <clears throat> I mean, it's it's kind of a straight up pop song, and, and but it in the best kind of way. I mean, it's all the music's fantastic. Her voice is just wonderful, which we know from the Beauty and Chaos project, but. Uh, yeah, I mean it's great. It's a it's a head bobber. It's it, you know gets your attention, keeps your attention, and made me want to hear what else is coming. Yeah, I she had described it as uh, reminiscent of Dua Lipa, and mm -hmm. I think that would be an accurate assessment. Yeah, my wife picked up on that too. That's what she, that's the first thing she said when we were listening to it. Yeah, so I think y'all definitely ought to look forward to that. <clears throat> Here's the description of the song. Free Time, the name of the song, is a sensuous, lyrically playful, bass-thumping, feel-good anthem that outlines the struggles of love and fun, especially when other people or other versions of yourself are too caught up by work, drama, and professional things that don't allow one to find true joy in the moment. So, very cool song. I hope everybody will check that out on March 11th when that comes out. And um, her recent single, Dreamcatcher... Just hit 50,000 streams, so that would be another one for you to check out. And she's got some other tasty albums, too, if you can go to Spotify or, you know, Apple, wherever you get your music. So, what do we got here at the bottom? Oh. <laughs> I think they were a little slow on that. Nope. Turban. <laughs> oh, not turban. Not turban. Turban. Here we go. <laughs> okay. Thank you for playing long, though. All right. 
Tears for Fears, they're back. It had been 18 years since their last record. And uh, the duo actually went nine years without even speaking to each other. So Yeah, that's crazy. Um, I know. And Well, when did they first come out? Early... 85 is their first one. Okay. So, uh, and they were hot quickly. They had a bunch of hits. Um, one of their hits was later uh, redone by somebody else and big part of the Donnie Darko movie where it kind of found mm-hmm. new footing again with a new audience. And um, But now they're back again. And uh, I overall, before we, we talk about some of the individual songs, I thought it was a pretty solid outing. Uh, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a mark for tears for fears. I'm a big fan of theirs always have been, you know, I, I didn't dive too much farther than the hits, but I mean, you know, I, it's a band I've always loved hearing when they pop up. Um, and this, this album is kind of, I don't know. It feels like a, a continuation of their sound. It's, you know, them modernized, I think a little bit. Um, they definitely embrace the electronic elements a lot more. I think not more than just having keyboards. They've, mm-hmm. there's a lot more heavy electronics in this one. Um, but yeah, I re- I, the more I listened to it, the more I enjoyed it. I, it's, it's very, very solid. Yeah, I I did some reading. We I think both watched the Sunday morning excerpt with them. Yes. Um, but I, I liked one of the things they said is that I think at one point management wanted them to team up with younger people to try to connect them to this younger audience. And they really kind of pushed back on that because yeah. that really wasn't them. And I think because of that, we got a record that was smarter and really said something about some events going on in the world and in their lives. So, yeah, uh, I feel like, um, yeah, them as songwriters, I mean, they've, they, when they split, they didn't stop creating music. So, I mean, they've obviously grown and they are where they are and they've had a lot of life experience that I'm sure. Well, I mean, we know it played into the writing on this album and, I feel, yeah, I, I think that would have been a misstep bringing in younger people because it just would have changed their sound, which is not uh, not what I would be looking for from Tears for Fears. I, that may make them connect more with a younger crowd, but I mean, that's probably not what they're looking for. So, you know, what if you make good, that good decision for them for yeah, <clears throat> and if you make that decision solely based on I want a younger crowd, that's in a way selling out, you know, if that's why your decision sure. was made. Yeah, absolutely. So yep. making decisions. Yeah. Based on selling or achieving a goal that is not your own goal. I mean, I mean, that's the definition of selling out, giving up your integrity to do what someone else expects of you. Yeah. And let's be honest, they don't need young people to help sell anything. They've got a, a nice following. No. And I think they've got some songs here that people can really sink their teeth into. And we'll start off with the album opener, which was no small thing. And this was one of my choices uh, Mm -hmm. as one of the better songs on the record. And this was the one that they talked about where they got back together, sat in the living room with their guitars, like when they were in school, back when they were kids, Mm -hmm. and built this 
song and that's what got everything rolling for the whole record but i really like it because it starts off it's got that soft guitar strumming we got some tambourine that kicks in and then it just slowly builds and i like the uh the video with this one as well because the video gets more intense as the song goes on just as the song does which is really cool I I didn't see the video for this one actually. I saw Tipping Point and the Break the Man. I think, and I I didn't see the video for this one. But yeah, and you can tell it's the two of them sitting on a couch with acoustic guitars, right? I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. basically what this song is. It's just a it's a really really cool solid acoustic riff, and it's got like a pretty pretty minimalist uh, beat. Like they didn't throw a whole bunch underneath it as far as that goes um this one it, it kind of felt like i could hear like frank turner or flogging molly playing this mm-hmm. song i mean mm-hmm. really that so yeah it, i really dig both of those artists so it's cool and it's i i've always been a little partial to um roland orza balls vocals mm-hmm. as opposed to kurt smith I like mm-hmm. them both and they work very well together because their ranges are so different, but I, I, I prefer Roland's voice. I, I, mm-hmm. I like it when he can step out front a little bit and as he did on this one. Agreed. And, um, as I could, as I was listening to this, you say you could hear, you know, Frank Turner or whatever. I could hear Eddie Vedder with his ukulele. Okay. <laughs> I think it would fit right in, in line sure. with that record he did. And, I, what an appropriate song. Freedom is no small thing, especially with what we're dealing with and I see oh, me, yeah. but what the world's dealing with right now over in the Ukraine. Right. So, um, yeah, excellent song. And I think a great album. It's different than your typical album opener, but based on listening to the whole album all the way through, I think it's a nice album opener. Works for me. Yeah, it works. Works. Works very well. Okay. So the next song we wanted to dig into was Tipping Point, if we're going in order of songs. And... What did you think? Um, I believe, I think this was the first song that I heard off of this record. Uh, like I checked the video out. I watched it a few times. Um, and obviously, you know, Roland talked about uh, the writing of this song. He really, you know, was feeling the death of his wife and uh, watching her kind of waste away and the, and the tipping point, you know, alludes to the point where she goes from living into, you know, her life ending. So very personal for him. And I, I mean, I, I feel like it's pretty beautiful tribute. And uh, so, you know, the lyrics are poignant and emotional and really comes across. And again, this, I really, really love the electronics in this song feel like they make a super super cool bed for everything else yeah one of the notes that i made was that this song begs for headphones because there's so much nuance in the electronics in this that you you would miss otherwise if you're in your car listening you won't get it but you put headphones on and sit back and you really get it the one minor it's not really even an issue but it just i was a little surprised at how sort of upbeat the music was for a song that was in many ways so somber um it it just i guess the two didn't really feel like they would mesh that well i still like the song i love the meaning behind it mm-hmm. um 
I just was a little surprised that it was as upbeat and poppy as it was. But artist choice. Well, I mean, it's not the first time that's ever happened. There's plenty of songs that are super upbeat that have some really messed up lyrics. Yeah. So, you know, this is just dark or whatever. Yeah, and I've never written a number one hit, so don't ask me. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, but I plan to. It's on my bucket list, so that's going to happen. Okay, I'm All waiting. Right. <laughs> All right, the next one we wanted to talk about was My Demons. And so this was one that you initially were attracted to. So what do you, what do you got? Well, this one caught my ear real quick uh, for two reasons. One, you got Roland up front, um, which, you know, that's, I love him. So, and, and then it, it's kind of, uh, it's a little more of a rocker. It's probably the I quote unquote heaviest song on the record. I wouldn't call it heavy by any stretch of the imagination, but it's definitely more of a rocker. It's not, you know, typically probably what you would think of when you're thinking of Tears for Fears. Um, uh, electronics are on point again. And I, I I love his voice and I love his delivery on this song. But I, I, honestly, like following along with the lyrics, I still don't know what the hell he's talking about. I don't know what they mean, but I, I, I'm here for it. I love this song. <laughs> it's it's about extremism it's kind so, of all over the place like he yeah. kind of jumps from point to point to point and like what what are we talking about here yeah i it, he did say in an interview that it was definitely about extremism which is something that's on everybody's mind these days anyway because the extremists seem to get the last word on everything and get their way mm -hmm. so kind of makes sense and um, i agree with you it was definitely the most rocking song i really liked mm -hmm. it. i thought the music on this one I said it when I was writing my notes that musically this one just hit me as my instant favorite um, mm -hmm. on the record. Lyrically, I didn't love it as much. Like you said, it was like just picking it apart. It was really tough to figure out what exactly was going on. Yeah. Um, so, but when I read that, I went back and looked and I was like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. You can see the, the, the remarks about extremism. That does make yeah. sense. But I can see that. It just, just didn't hit me the first time around. Yeah. And then we also wanted to talk about Rivers of Mercy which yeah this is uh it's the very next track after my demons and it's a definite uh you know kind of a hard 180 and because uh, this one is a pretty pretty melancholy pretty mellow track um and they kind of they do a little switcheroo because like when it starts roland is singing but then kurt kind of takes over and um he does he's kind of up front for the rest of the song, um, which is, that's fine. I mean, like I said, I'm a tears for fears fan. I got no problem with that. Um, the vocals in this song are just absolutely gorgeous. The harmonies are outstanding. Um, the music a little bit, uh, ethereal atmospheric. There's a lot of atmospheric sounds and stuff kind of, you know, rolling around in the background. Um, the, uh, <sighs> The lyrics to me, I feel like Rivers of Mercy is is kind of like, you know, you're thinking of going into the being thrown into the Rivers of Mercy to kind of um, like a place to escape to when everything is kind of overwhelming you and weighing on you and everything. And uh, just you've 
want to be thrown in the rivers of mercy to get away from all of that, to get a break from all of that. So it really, really poignant song. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. I like that it started, that started off with the sirens and sort of all mm-hmm. of the hubbub in the background. And then as he's sitting in his garden in the countryside, you hear that? Got some special guests. <laughs> the Chihuahuas have arrived. So that's always fantastic. <laughs> that's desi starring on the show uh, but anyway so i think what you're talking about the rivers of mercy i think you're right um you're dead on with that one and for him it was sitting in his beautiful garden out in the countryside in england and then all of a sudden he would go to the computer or the tv and it would be like you know mass chaos and all the problems in the world mm-hmm. and i think at the time it was a lot yeah. of the blm stuff that was going on the riots and so there was that stark difference that was just staring him in the face so mm-hmm. very cool song and i loved how it moved through and you're right it was serene and you know kind of ethereal as it went on good song and all four Great very song. different if you think about that the ones that we picked that we like mm-hmm. you know one is a guitar driven acoustic guitar driven song tipping point is had some great nuance in the electronics but it definitely was a little more poppy my demons was harder driving and then Rivers of Mercy then backed off and it was, uh, you know, sort of ethereal. So all great, all different. Yeah. I think that's the mark of a good band when you can make four songs on an album that are that different. And those are the four that we picked to highlight. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad they decided to go their own route, stick to their guns and, and do what they do. Because I really yep. like this. So if I were to score this out of five... Um, I would say probably a three and a half out of five for me. It's not something that I'm going to go back to and listen all the time, but definitely glad that I did. And I really like the messages throughout the songs. Yeah, I probably go, I probably started out around three and a half, but I I'm, I'm sitting at about a four right now. And I, like I said, the more I listen to it, the more I like it. So I'm probably going to keep listening to it. Not every day, but you know, you, you take a deep dive on something like this and sometimes you get tired of it or you want to, you know, take a break from it or whatever. But I, I feel like I, I will come back to this more than I thought I would when I first listened to it. Gotcha. All right. Excellent job, boys. And now we're up to CMF on this one. B. CMF B-sides. He's changed it from CMFT. <laughs> Same group, but hitting the B-sides, adding a few, changing a couple to acoustic. And before we start talking about the songs, I just, the musicians around him are so good. Christian Martucci, yes. so ever since he joined Stone Sour, I've loved him. He is fantastic. Jason Christopher, you're not going to get much better than that. Um, they just... I mean, Corey is fantastic and every, you know, his voices and everything that he does, but man, he has surrounded himself with some excellent musicians. Yes. Jason Christopher is a favorite of mine. Uh, JPP and I have seen him a couple of times live with uh, prong. He plays bass with them when he can, when he's available mm-hmm. to, but in recent years, he's, he's toured with, toured with Tommy and been on a couple of albums and stuff with him. So I, I really dig him and man, he, he, he and Corey are very tight. Like they're kind of best friends and um, it's, it's cool to see him around and 
you know, his input and man, he's, he's a good singer, great backing vocals with, with Corey. So yeah, I, I really dig Jason a lot. That was one of the things that I noticed as I was listening to these, it's always tricky when you're doing covers. Um, they usually change them up a little bit, but on a lot of them, you could just tell musically what they were producing was probably better musically than the original, not to say to lessen the originals any, but they're just, I think, better musicians than Kiss or the Dead Boys. So that's <laughs> just going to come out. You yeah. know what I mean? <clears throat> I I touched on that. If we if we go track by track, like I, I touch on that a little bit when we talk about the Kiss cover. Well, so. let's hit it. We're going to go. We've already talked about Holier Than Thou, but we can just briefly hit on this one again. We did this one yeah. back when we did the whole Metallica uh, blacklist. We actually mm -hmm. we did that in two episodes because it was so long, yep. and so we talked about it then. But um, did you change your mind here or anything? You still like it? Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> Corey is an excellent singer. You will probably get sick of hearing me say that while we're talking about this, but he's so good. I mean, he can do it all. He really, really can. And this is just like a straight-up hard rock metal song, and he's belting it out. I mean, he's not trying to sound like Hetfield. I, I would never say that, but I mean, he could hang with him. So he's, he's right there. Yeah. I feel like of all of them on the record, this is the one that's the most straightforward, not a lot of change here musically. And he yeah. just, it's like he almost just tries to do the best job he can to do the song justice in a very yes. straightforward way. And when you th yeah. think about the lyrics, that is definitely in his wheelhouse. You know what I mean? <laughs> about hypocrites and things yeah. like that. So yeah. I could see why he picked that one when they did the blacklist. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm a little curious. Hold on. I'm a little curious as to, you know, if you consider everything that was done with the blacklist and how different all of those songs are, why he chose to do it this straightforward and in your face that, interesting it's not bad by any means but it's an interesting choice just a choice yeah that would be a great we're gonna have him on the show and we're gonna ask yeah him. there you go no i yeah that's a good question why he because he can do change his voice to be about anything but maybe it was just the rock and nature of the song he wanted to rock it out yeah i don't maybe i'm, I'm good with it yeah me too <laughs> but then he changes for the next one because all this and more is a very punk song and so he can't sing it the same way that he did on Holier Than Thou. But um, I thought he did a, a fantastic job. And this is one, too, where I think the band is just flat out better. Because, um, well, the punk guys weren't too concerned with being articulate musically as, as yeah. the, the message and just being loud and obnoxious. Yeah, uh, I am not too familiar with the Dead Boys. And I, I didn't bother to go back and listen to the original um just because i don't really care <laughs> i i did uh, and Corey's voice is better <laughs> yeah well i mean like you said we were talking about punk musicians like mm -hmm. especially if it's early punk i mean they were it yeah, was it was they they were not concerned terribly with uh skill we'll say that <laughs> i look i went but, back and listened to a number yeah, of songs on the a, record it's good so i i would okay. i would definitely give it a listen if i were you it's pretty cool. All right. But yeah, I mean, this is a fine, it's a fine song. It sounds almost, 
I don't know if it's just the update or if it's just what I'm used to hearing more now these days, but it almost has a pop punk feel. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I just think some of those grooves are just catered to that. It, it doesn't take much to switch it from a straight up punk song to more of a pop punk. I mean, yeah. tempo, a, a beat or two, and I think you got it. So I don't know, but I, I really like the original and I like this one a lot. This was really a good song and I like the way he changed it. So he did incorporate some of those punk elements in his voice. Yeah, I, I, I got to say, if there was one song that I was going to skip on this album, it'd probably be this one. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, so the next one is actually one of his own. This is off of the CMFT record, and he's just done this one acoustically this time, and it's Kansas. I would have said if you were going to do one acoustically, this would have been a, an easy one to do just by the nature of the song, the yeah. lyrics, and the feel of it. So did you like it? Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, it's fantastic. I, Corey's voice uh, lends itself very well to doing acoustic songs. Um, he is so in control of his instrument, if you will. Uh, he, he can, you know, hang back and do the more subdued stuff and then just belt it out, you know, bigger than life. And, uh, you know, this is a good example of that. And again, you know, I touched on the harmony vocals when I was talking about Jason, that there's great examples of that here. Uh, it's it's a good version, companion version, I think, to the song. And the lyrics, I think, work well as an acoustic song because it's a little little melancholy. You know, you're talking about being on the road and trying to get home. And it, if I get to Kansas, then I'm almost, you know, I'm halfway there mm-hmm. or whatever. So it, I, it works very, very well. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um I really have nothing to add. What I was going to say, you just said so. And I like the other version too, but I think I like this acoustic version better. I think it works better for the song. Cool. So, all right. And then shaken Eddie money. What a great choice to do. I wasn't sure at first, but then you hear it. It's just like, he just gets straight rock and roll and it worked so well. He's obviously, obviously a fan. I mean, mm-hmm. all, all of these covers that he does is he's obviously a fan of at least that song, if not the artist as a whole. I was super excited when I saw this on the on the list. And I was like, oh, man, my dad loved Eddie Money, loved him so much. So I was super excited to hear this. And I, I mean, his, his voice again, like Eddie Money is totally in his wheelhouse. I mean, it's. <laughs> So it was so, <laughs> so great. So great. And I, another thing like Corey with his covers, it, he kind of, he takes them seriously without taking them so seriously that it kills the mood. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't suck the soul out of it by trying to do the perfect version or whatever he has fun with it but he takes it seriously too because he obviously loves these songs yeah and sometimes if you change it too much you take what makes the song great away from it so this is another one of those that was more straightforward just he he was there his band and they're playing shaken and it's it's just honest and it's good and it's straight rock and roll and i think people who are big and eddie money fans who like the song i think they're all gonna like it um 
I don't know. I think covers are tricky sometimes because some people want to make it their own where they strip it down too much. I mm-hmm. think you do that to a song like Shake and you, you ruin it. So I think you made a good choice here. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know how much you can change Shaken and have it still be great. And this really is just like kind of a modern update to the song. And yeah. I have to say, uh, Dustin Robert on the drums absolutely slays on this song. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't mention him earlier, but he's definitely got some chops. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> that brings us to Home and Zizek's Road, which was live. And I was fortunate enough that he did this exact piece when we saw him at Pierre's in Fort Wayne. He came out by the piano and just started playing this. And this, of course, is a song that he wrote for his wife. When they got married, he played it for her. And it's a beautiful song. And he just takes it, you know, he's playing piano, and he just naturally segues right into Zizek's Road, which is another Stone Sour song that people... It's a really mellow one. I know people who are big Slipknot fans kind of shy away from that because it is such a lovely, you know, light, airy song. But the two of mm-hmm. them really work well together. And him sitting behind a piano just doing what he does was so good. And when you see him in concert, it was a nice break because he's, he's so energetic on stage. We were used to see him in a mask running around. And, and here, it's just him, piano. And it's not until later in Zizek's Road that the rest of the band kicks in and sort of brings that whole yep. thing home. So I just a beautiful rendition. I love it. Yeah. Uh, this was, I actually, I watched the video for this one and yeah, it was great. Um, the song, I mean, it's just gorgeous. It, it really is like the, the lyrics, the, the melody, everything him on the piano again, his voice, man, he can just kill doing just him. I mean, him and the piano, so good, so good. And um, I, when I was talking about Jason Christopher earlier, this is one where he really shines too. When when they kick into uh, when the band comes in with Zizik's Road, and you got everybody playing, it's it's Corey and Jason singing together, you know, and mm-hmm. for a lot of that, and it they sound wonderful together. And like I said, that they're you know, really good friends. So I'm sure like when they're just hanging out and goofing off, they're probably messing around with music and singing together and having fun. So it's, uh, it really comes through in this one. Yeah. So if there's anybody out there that wants to introduce their mother to Slipknot, you might start them off here and then move on. <laughs> it's just a natural segue. So. I, I had uh, okay. I got a good one on that note. So, you know, <clears throat> when I was a little, uh, baby metalhead and stuff and i started listening to all this hard music i i would play you know my mom would hear some of it and just kind of shake her head and whatever and walk away but uh, there you know the ballads the ballads i would try to play some of those for my mom be like see mom they sound really good they're really good singers and musicians <laughs> it's and called Beth, be like, mom. <laughs> yeah she would be like why can't they just sing like that all the time like, no. no you don't get it you don't get it Get out of my room. <laughs> uh, I could hear that conversation. Yep. That's funny. <laughs> All right. So that brings us to <laughs> Lunatic Fringe, which I have loved that song since the movie Vision Quest. I don't know how many times I watched Vision Quest when I was a kid. I think they came out in 85. 
uh, Matthew Modine. Great movie. Um, Red Rider here uh, playing Lunatic Fringe. And this one, I think he he reworks it a little bit. It's definitely yes. different than the original. He keeps that that tune or the you know the melody of the song, but this one starts off with a very different guitar feel. It's almost like a Spanish guitar kind of sound. And then as it goes through, it's it's more sparse. It definitely is not as active as the original uh, song. But I loved it yeah. when I first heard this. I thought, oh my gosh, put the headphones back on, listen again, and it is absolutely so good. Yeah, this is um, a very skillful reimagining of a song. And uh, because the original, it does absolutely. Um... <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Yes. <laughs> um, but there's, uh, you know, the original is kind of is a very produced song. Lots of, I mean, full band keyboards, all kind. Of, this is very stripped down. It's most, it's pretty much a, an acoustic song. Um, but yeah, I mean, they just kind of. This is one where they stripped it down, but it works amazingly well. It's so good. And again, the backing vocals are they're they're used sparingly, but to great effect. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Total Slayer. I love that one. I will be listening to that one a lot. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> it's on my, uh, I think all of the cover, well, except all this and more, all the rest <laughs> of them, are, they're, all, they're already on my uh, covers playlist. So, yeah. Um, so that brings us up to Got to Choose from Kiss. Um, I'm going to let you take the lead on this one, but this is the one where I felt like, when you, I, I listened to this, I went back to listen to the other and I listened again. The musicianship is just so much better on this one. Well, okay. So this is, is a lesser known Kiss song. It's definitely not a hit. Um, but it, it has that unmistakable Kiss sound, Kiss melody. Yep. It like it, I mean, if you, you listen to this, I didn't even realize it was a Kiss cover. But when I heard it, I was like, I'm pretty sure this is a kiss song (laughs) (laughs) and uh, yep. Sure enough it is. Um, But uh, yeah, so this is where I, when I mentioned earlier talking about preferring covers to originals, uh, this is one of those bands. There's a lot of kiss covers that I absolutely love more than the original kiss wrote some great songs. Mm-hmm. They recorded and performed some great songs. A lot, I think, a lot of the problem with especially early Kiss, which is the classic Kiss that everybody mm-hmm. loves, the production is very, very weak. Mm-hmm. And um, most of the covers just sound like really, really healthy updates. Yeah. Kind of gives it a kick in the pants and makes it you know, I don't know, more powerful, more modern, just sounds better because mm-hmm. it's got better production. And um, most Kiss songs, you really, you don't have to do a whole lot of work to the arrangements because they're, they're good. They're, I mean, Gene and Paul and, you know, <clears throat> mostly uh, Peter and Ace, like, I mean, that's the classic lineup. They, they wrote some fantastic songs that just kind of you know need the dust 
shaking off of them a little bit. And that's what we get here. And it's a great cover. I love at the end where they kick into the lover all I can riff. That is such a great song. Mm -hmm. And I, I was surprised to hear that. I don't, it seems like a lot of the covers on here, he at the end they kick into some other song mm -hmm. from that band so I don't, I don't know what's up with that but it works i mean i like i said i love the the end of this that lover all i can is a great song that uh anthrax covered at one point with john bush singing uh and that's a fantastic cover i would recommend so yeah, yeah. this was fun yeah, it was it was pretty much straightforward. Other than mm -hmm. I think they just sped it up a little bit. The other one is definitely slowed down, um, and this one's yeah. picked up a little bit, which is good. I think it works for this version. And um, you know, it's interesting. I think more than working on their craftsmanship, if you know, Getty Lee said they're the hardest working band he's ever been around. Like to take care of the fans, the shows, mm -hmm. like to put on that big production. That yeah. there's no band that worked harder than them. So kudos to Kiss, and you're correct. They did write some fantastic songs. Yeah, I, I have. I I'm not a huge Kiss fan. I'm not a Kiss fanboy. I you know mm -hmm. I don't love that word, but I'm not a Kiss fanboy. But I enjoy them. I I mm -hmm. like you know I love the hits. I like some of the deep cuts, and mm -hmm. this song actually made me think. I'm like, hmm, I should go back and listen to some of the deeper cuts. Yeah. All right, another deep cut from the CMFT record is Halfway Down, which was an homage to Bon Scott, which okay. I did not know. And this is probably my least favorite, just because I don't love the song originally. Um, acoustically, it's still good. I still enjoy it, but it's not my favorite on this record. Uh, same, probably. I'm in the same boat. Um, it, it had the acoustic riff, the kind of the arrangement they went with on this is really great very solid but mm -hmm. i mean it's yeah this is not this might be another song i might skip every once in a while <laughs> well part of the problem is i couldn't wait to get to the next song so i was yes. like oh my god it's just that great i gotta get to the next one so let's yeah. just get to the next one right now which yeah uh on the dark side from oh. eddie and the cruisers what a great man so it didn't need to be redone i mean it's pretty much a perfect song anyway but if you're going to do it, do it like this, have Corey <sighs> singing, and you got yeah. yourself another beautiful song. Absolutely love it. I I could not, when when I saw that they released this single, I uh, I could not have been happier. Uh, this song makes me so happy. I, I love it so much. <laughs> and so much, in fact, that I listened to this song when it came out over and over again. And I went back and listened to the original over and over again <laughs> to the point where I think at one point I turned it on and my wife was down the hall and I just hear her go, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even care. I love it so much. Did you miss the saxophone? No, not at all. No, I didn't not either. at all. <laughs> I um, got replaced by R.O.C.K., I guess. Yes. Yeah, that, that was an awesome. interesting thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. not only that, but uh, uh, oh, I forgot the name of the song. Cherry something, the Neil Diamond song. Mm -hmm. um, so good. I Yeah, that didn't bother me at all. It, it, the first mm -hmm. time I heard it, I was like, what's happening? But I it, it didn't bother me. It didn't bother me at all. That's because it flowed so 
easily right yeah. into that. I mean, just into it felt like it was them. part of the song. Yeah. So what a fantastic. When I was listening to when I was listening to it today, I actually went back and listened to the Neil Diamond song, and I was like, "Holy cow!" Like the riff is like mean, so close. Yeah, I wonder how they did but that. I, I I love this movie. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love this movie when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and Me I don't too. know. I mean, it's one of any number of movies I probably shouldn't have been watching when I was that young, but I did. Um, and uh, I've always loved it. I, I like the sequel. I don't, it's not as good, of course, but it's, course. it's good too. And yeah, I have loved this song. I've loved this song since I was a little, little kid. So when I was, when did this come out in 84? No, uh, it was Probably. early 80s. So I was somewhere in there. I was pretty young. And I, so I watched it a ton. I think it was on HBO at the time. And so I thought, just wonder what yep. the score was on Rotten Tomatoes. So I went and I'm like, ah, no, that movie is perfect. What do you mean 38%? So now I'm probably going to have to go back oh, and watch yeah. it and see if my little child mine has rose-colored glasses on and it's really not that good of a movie. I don't know. I mean, that's possible, but who cares? <laughs> who cares? Um, I know, <laughs> I know. I don't really care, but I was surprised uh, because I was thinking, this is an amazing movie, and I'm thinking, okay, we're going to go over Rotten Tomatoes. It's going to be 80%. It's freaking 38%. Yeah, no. So, There's whatever. tons of movies that I love as a kid that I'm sure are you know, <laughs> hot garbage. Not only do they have <laughs> terrible scores on Rotten Tomatoes, they're probably, well, I can think of one off the top of my head that is, uh, I mean, there are scenes in it that uh, it would get crucified today. So just for the content, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, Eddie and the Cruisers came out in 1983, by the way, by the way, by the way, by the way. All right. All right, so I'm gonna I'm excited. So I'm gonna give this a four and a half out of five. And I will listen again and again and again because I loved it so much. So um, and of course I'm a I am a Corey Taylor fanboy, so I'll yeah. just own up to it right now. So I'm definitely gonna keep <laughs> listening to this. And we're only a few months away from new slipknot, so yeah. Can't get much better than that. Yeah. What'd you give it? Um, I just because of the two skippable tracks, I might go 4.25, but I mean, there are so many songs on this I will and already have listened to over and over again. And like I said, I, there's at least three, three covers on here that I've put on, you know, well, four, I think that I've put on my covers playlist. So it's good stuff, man. Good, good stuff. Awesome. Okay. So that wraps up all the work that we had to do this week. And so next week we have two things we're doing. Well, three. I've already issued the challenge for Lester Bangs. We're going to review the new album from Crowbar. And we're going to play Mr. Mundy's Challenge. Do you want to remind everybody what that challenge is for next week? Yeah, we decided to skip it this week just with the two of us. We'll try to do it when we have at least three of us. It'll be more fun. Um but uh, basically, I, I want you to pick any song that you want, any song at all, does not matter what it is, and come up with a brief video treatment for that song. So video treatment is just like basically when you listen to this song, 
what do you see? Like, what do you see playing out? Or like, you are the director, you, you are making the video for this song. What is it? I love it. That's going to be, that is a challenge. I mean, you really got to think about that one to make a little bit. Yeah. So, all right. Well, where can we find Mr. Monday? If we wanted to go find you on the old social medias, where might we find you? Just find me on Instagram at Metalhead Monday. And you can see right there, it is M-U-N-D-Y. Hit him up if you have any questions. Or if you're a Metalhead Monday fanboy, you hit him up. Sure, there's plenty of those. Oh, well, <laughs> me and Paul. So, all right. And you can find me at Foggy's Pal on Instagram and Twitter. DM me if you want anything. If you know some music that we need to be checking out, uh, send us comments. You can... Uh, Comment on the YouTube channel. You can also do it at Facebook, or you can hit any of us up on our Instagrams and Twitters. We would love to hear from you, and we'd like to know what you would like us to talk about. That would be fantastic. And you can find Wanderings and Wool Gathering on YouTube, Apple Music, Spotify, the Kokomo Lantern, Stitcher, CastBox, and SoundCloud. If you like what you hear, give us a review and subscribe. For music, movies, and comics reviews, head over to wanderingsandwoolgathering.com. And until then, we will see you next week with Crowbar and Monday's Challenge. Until then, everybody, have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. Bye now.